0: Hey, everyone. It's Steven Garton, the host of the Charity Charge podcast. Thanks again for everyone that's been listening on. I wanted to just preface this next episode, which is with Scott Mikinich, the executive director of the Nonprofit Council. Uh, you will really, I think, enjoy it very much so, but I also want to let you know we had a little bit of technical difficulties. Most of the recording that we're doing takes place in Austin in our studio. Um, so as I got down to San Antonio, we had a few snafus, but ultimately I had a portable microphone that I was able able to plug into my iPhone and still try to make the best of the journey and share with you a lot of the interesting things that Scott's learned along the way um, operating the Nonprofit Council in San Antonio. It's a really, really awesome episode. So I hope you will bear with us with some of the sound spikes um, and enjoy this one. So thanks so much to everyone who continues to listen in. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Charity Charge Show. We're doing things a little bit differently. On this episode, I'm actually down in San Antonio, tried bringing all the podcast gear and had a few technical difficulties. So bear with us on this recording, but I am super excited. I'm sitting across from Scott Mikinich, the founder and executive director of the nonprofit council Scott thank you so much for being with us today on the podcast
1: great thanks for having me sorry we couldn't get you connected to our
0: Wi-Fi hey that's okay no we just sometimes have to roll with it you know we try to keep things as I mentioned on previous episodes really just fast and casual and have fun with the podcast but uh, having a little of the technical snafu fortunately I had a mic that plugs into my iPhone and we're gonna make the best of it but let's just jump right into it you know we've had some really interesting conversations it's been been a pleasure now having you as a client and being able to to work with you. But you know, for people that are just listening for the first time, could you tell us a little bit about both um, the nonprofit council and. What you're doing in San Antonio, and kind of why you created it, and uh, the mission of the organization here. Uh, Sure. So the nonprofit council actually was formed
1: in 2003, and um, it was born out of the United Way. uh, Prior to that, it was under the United Way. It was the Executive Council, um, and they pulled out from under the United Way and wanted to expand the membership beyond delegate agencies. So they formed the C3 in '03, and I came on board in 06 um, as a contract person because they were really small, 29 agencies at the time. And my job was to sort of take an an assessment of the organization and where it was at that point in time, but more importantly, how they could grow and retain members. They were starting to charge membership where before it was free and members were questioning why I'm paying like $500 a year just to do the same thing we were doing is meet for breakfast every month. So quickly... I um, you know, looked at the organization and said, all you have to do is really provide value to being a member and paying those dues and people will come and they will stay. Um, so it was a two or three year process that I worked with the board on that. And we came up with a strategic plan that was a five year plan to become sustainable and actually bring me on full time as an employee. And that happened in late 06, um, within the first year of our strategic plan. So since then, we have been on a slow and steady growth we're up to a little over 200 members now, nonprofits. And we also have just shy of 25 for-profit members as well and growing.
0: Okay, Scott, one of the things that I wanted to you know, ask you on a practical level about is when you think about current kind of state of the nonprofit council and the different programs that you're offering, um, can you shed a little bit of light of just how you're helping these 200 members in San Antonio? Um, sure. We,
1: well, our mission is to connect, support, and strengthen the executive leadership of nonprofits and when i say executive leadership our members are actually the executive directors and ceos of these 200 plus nonprofits so we're unique in that fact we're not just a membership organization we have the decision makers and the folks that are running these Orgs that are our membership and we provide a variety of programs and activities throughout the year to bring them together in person so that, you know, we kind of foster that um, collaboration aspect. We um, have an opportunity for them to network together. We have a pretty strong committee structure. We have a leadership development committee that's new this past year that actually is made up of our membership and they are responsible for running the programming of that particular committee, So they do two events um, a year. They just launched those this year. And they're basically things that um, bringing in community leaders from the for-profit, non-profit, and government sector to talk about leadership in those various um, sectors of the community and how they cross with nonprofits and how they got where they are, um, what things they can share with the leadership of our membership. And those have been really successful. And I think one of the core things that I realized from the beginning of my tenure here with the nonprofit council is I'm not the one to come up with the programming we have the structure of what you know kind of what happens throughout the year our meeting structure but as far as the content of our membership meetings and these leadership um, series that we do and any workshops or I call them trainings but they're more development um, kind of leadership development uh, meetings it's all derived from the membership. They know what they want, they know what they need, and why not tap into them to kind of sort of make that happen and identify those resources that we can bring in as the council and sort of provide that guidance and make those events happen. That's real exciting to me. We also have a very strong advocacy committee. So from the very beginning since 2003, we've been working on issues that that impact the nonprofit sector uh, primarily in our community. Um, we we tried to branch out to the state level. We're not a statewide network. So we have the most clout in city council in Bear County where we are housed and where the majority of our 200 members are. So we um, have a connection with those um, community leaders and c- elected officials when they are working on policy and um, ordinances and things that might impact the council or the clients that they serve. We make sure that we represent and have that voice at the table to let them know how this is going to either greatly impact um, in a positive way or a negative way um, our sector and our clients that the the membership serve. So they see, our members see that as we are an amplified voice for them with 200 members behind our name.
0: I think that's a really awesome point that you bring up. You know, I've gotten to know, obviously, just in general, the philanthropic world and and yours as well. But for anyone new that's listening to the podcast that hasn't, you know, heard of a nonprofit council before, we jumped right into this. But I think, you know, I very much would would sum it up in a succinct way to say you're a nonprofit for nonprofits. And I think, uh, you know, very much so, we'll go in kind of two directions, you know, moving forward um, in this interview. Is that You know, one of the things for anyone that's kind of newer to the nonprofit industry, I I think that there's so many amazing organizations, you know, locally here in San Antonio, but in whatever community or city you're listening from that are, um, down in the trenches doing different, you know, work that is helping serve the community. But what I'm also seeing arise, you know, across the country is the model of these nonprofits for nonprofits. Do you mind talking a little bit about, um, maybe even just what comes top of mind, like on a practical level? some of the different programs or the issues that you've heard from local nonprofit leaders in San Antonio and, and kind of the support that you've been able to provide, maybe just a couple of examples.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and most of that centers around <clears throat> our advocacy work. And just in the past year, um, you know, last summer or last fall, our city council, as you know, in Austin, uh, passed an ordinance um, that would require companies, whether you're nonprofit or for-profit, to uh, provide paid sick leave for their employees, part-time, you know, micro-part-time for the the general public uh, or the general employees. Um, So what, you know, what our agencies started, you know, kind of talking about, and and what's cool is we have this, um, it's an email, uh, it's a listserv that we give our membership, and it's called Wigio. And it's just an email that they all have, and they can type that in and they can ask questions, and it shoots out to all 200 members. So it's basically a I can ask you, you know, a question, and I'm going to get maybe 30 answers. Um, So it's a real quick resource. We, my staff, and I monitor those conversations, and this conversation really was on fire last November, December, um, because the, the nonprofits were worried how it was going to impact their business model and the expense to really track the hours and i'm talking tracking paid overtime by hour and by part-time employee um and so it's it, you know it's a good thing for the workforce however it's just it puts a big owner onus on the nonprofits who have limited budgets um and limited staff to do these kind of um uh, new reporting for for employees so what we did is we pulled together um a, a member of city council who worked on that policy and that ordinance we pulled in the grassroots organization that sort of spearheaded getting that through council on the agenda to have that um kind of uh, voted on and we pulled in the advocacy chair or advocacy leader of the chamber the greater chamber of San Antonio so we had you know someone from each side um and someone from our nonprofit membership and basically just talked about that policy and that ordinance and the effects that it would have, you know, we weren't in a position that we wanted to take a stand on, yes, we're for it or against it, because the clients that many of our members serve are those people who are, you know, the, the working class who are part-time and they struggle to take time off if they're sick because they don't get paid. But yet, there are agencies that also have the bottom line that really gets impacted but we just did this in an effort to in, engage our members and inform them of the issue and what the positives and negatives would be and what the impact would be. Um, and that is, um, that's kind of ongoing. And we had an issue that came up this summer with our local um, district attorney's office that put a policy in place that the police department really was unsure about what that policy was and it's that the DA wasn't gonna prosecute um, homeless folks that were uh, trespassing or kind of hanging out in front of businesses or agencies, and some of our agencies were in fear that when they called the police, they would not come and and sort of take you know action on on maybe a threatening situation. Um, so we pulled together again the DA's office, the police department, our members, and we heard from them like, okay, so what's going on? Why is why are we not getting action from the police department because of this new policy? And the DA is like, well, this is not really how we meant it to be. It's just that we're not going to go ahead and prosecute these folks. They they do need to be picked up if there's a threatening situation. and But the police didn't interpret it that way. So actually, those two now, they left that meeting and said, we need to talk amongst ourselves, figure this out, and then we'll get back to uh, the nonprofits and let them know what the final issue is. So You know, it's it's things like that. It's everyday issues that impact our membership, that they may just want to voice their opinion in a larger group and let them, let you know, elected officials or whomever know that these things that you're doing, if we aren't at the table when you're deciding them, then we're going to come in after the fact and let you know what the issues are that are impacting us. But if we're at the table while the discussions are going on, we can have such great input that we can sort of, you know, mitigate those problems on the back end.
0: I really love, first off, your work and what you're doing, but also at the end there, how you you drew the context, which is kind of where I'm going to go with this next both statement and then question. You know, one of the things that I'm continuing to hope that this podcast brings and just general things that we're doing about Charity Charge is giving people kind of a behind the, the scenes look or under the hood of what it's like to operate and grow a nonprofit. And I think a few things that pop out at me as you say that, as I'm sitting here is um, the actual, when you, when you, when you take away the mission, which is why the nonprofits are there. But when you take that away for a second, the operational aspects of running a business and running a nonprofit in many respects are similar there's similar challenges. And there's always that day to day. I, I, I think very much so before I got into the quote nonprofit world, you know, a lot of my interaction with nonprofits was very much as an individual giving. So I might have participated in the run because a family member asked me to, or I might have gone to a gala because, you know, a friend's company had an extra ticket. And I was always seeing it from the, uh, I, I never really, in too choosy with my words here, but, you know, I've always seen it more from like the fundraising and the panache and the rah-rah and let's raise money and everything. But there's the actual practical side of, the day-to-day operations, and then obviously the funding dollars that go towards the mission. And I feel that a lot of the of people that have never worked at a nonprofit are, um, for no fault of their own, just unfamiliar with that. And it just seems like it's, a, it's, it's different. Do you mind just kind of wherever your mind goes, just kind of comment a little bit
1: on that? Yeah. Well, I, I think we've all been there. I mean, I come from the for-profit world prior to this work and i was in the same boat i mean i worked for a large media company and all i knew of nonprofits in my marketing and promotion hat was they want free promos they want us to sponsor their event they want us to do news coverage of their activities and that was it um, so i came my exposure was that yours was on the fundraising side um, and then when i got into the the work of the, of the council it quickly it was eye-opening I mean so I think one of the things you said was how business like for-profit nonprofit operate their businesses I mean when you think of nonprofit the only really the only big difference is we are tax-exempt so I don't pay taxes on property on things that I purchase Um, I you know we pay payroll taxes obviously but that's the difference. But I still, you know, I still have to pay employees. I still have to do my quarterly filings of, you know, taxes. I still have to file a 990 every year, which is, you know, similar to a for-profit filing their tax returns. So those things are inherent to both both sectors. However, you know, the funding of the nonprofit world, at least in in years past, has been a lot of funding foundations... Some philanthropists did not want to fund what we call operations. It's like running the business. There is a budget that you need to run your business, and there's a budget you need to run your programming. And sometimes those bleed together, and a lot of agencies say, well, without my employees and my business part, we don't serve, so really they're all one in one So we, and again, going back to the advocacy piece over the past five to six years, We've also been advocating about, you know, the overhead myth and this notion that, you know, every dollar needs to go to the mission and none of it to go to, you know, the overhead. Well, without the overhead, there is no mission. So without overhead, there's no mean. there's no staff. So we see that, honestly, and this is like the council is a good example, our overhead, we're 100% overhead because we are 100% the mission we work to you know support our members we work to achieve the mission we have and everything that we do goes into that you know a little piece of it is fundraising but that's you know that's allocated separately so i think that's that's kind of one of the myths that um, the general public may not see is that it, it it there's a cost to doing business and running a business and and that aside is different from the cost of running the programming and, and serving the clients.
0: I think that's a good point you bring up. I mean, and I would even say prior to, again, getting involved in this world, you know, I would was always thinking of nonprofits and why are they paying this person this high salary, um, and also, you know, how much of the dollar that I give is actually going to the mission. And while I think that. Obviously, there are cases of egregious misuse, just like there are of for profit you know corporations as well. you know my perspective now learning much more about the space and having a much deeper appreciation for for it in general and then obviously the the operational aspects of funding the, uh, the you know kind of the organization and the and the salaries versus just the programs is that um, you, you you need to be able to invest to grow and, you know, nothing happens just for free. And, and so, you know, you, and you need to retain, you need to
1: retain employees and you need to sort of like get and get younger folks coming out of college to see that, you know, going into the nonprofit sector, we do get paid. I mean, honestly, years ago, I, I was one of those that I'm like, I assumed most of the work in the nonprofit sector was volunteer, and yes, there are those agencies that are 100% volunteer. They do great work. But it, it but there's a thing that that I look at that if you're, you know, you're kind of going to stay where you are. You know, you have to grow your business. You have to you want to serve more people. You know, most of the agencies I know, you know, they would like to, you know, drive themselves out of business, like solve the problem, solve the issues. Um, Some of that will never happen. You know, we will always have um, some of the needs that we have in the community. But I think the goal is that we want the best folks to run these organizations. Um, You're talking about someone that runs a YMCA or a Goodwill. That you know, their operating budgets are 30, 50 million dollars. They're they're running huge businesses in town that are doing great services and you know for the community would you pay someone $50,000 a year to be the CEO of a $50 million organization to manage that and the assets and the staff and and everything that goes with that? That's a hard one to do.
0: You wouldn't. And, you know, and I think that's a great way to think about it just on a pure, just for the example, the mathematical side of, you know, as you want to scale and as you want to have more mission and impact, you also have to have the right people. And, Look, someone that can really grow and make a massive difference operating the YMCA, you got to get someone of high caliber that can do it. But obviously, the impact and return versus just having n- no knock on someone else, but you know, a C player someone that just doesn't have the skill set or capability, you want to have the right people in there. I want to I want to on the on the latter part of this interview, there's so much we could talk about. I want to focus on two things. The first and then so the first is I interact quite often with people that are just starting a nonprofit or maybe have been operating for a few years. And I, I know as an entrepreneur with charity charge, there were so many lessons that I learned the hard way, but also had the benefit of mentors and advice. And so it's kind of whatever comes top of mind a bit, but you've been able to interact with so many different organizations over the years of variety of sizes. When I think about your 200 members, you know, these are organizations that are, have tiny revenue and some organizations that have massive revenue. So when you think about the organizations that are potentially newer or have newer leadership, what are some of just the struggles and the challenges that you see and, um, any advice that you would give kind of to, a uh, up and coming um, someone that's starting a non nonprofit or been operating one for a couple of years
1: and that's kind of twofold um, number one is I think you hit it you know mentor I think one of the things that I see it, well I know and, and speaking from someone who's been there with I was a one person staff for many years with the council um, prior to really like three and a half years ago got my first part time employee, but when you are running The organization yourself as a single employee, you're you're the ED, you're the finance, you're fundraising, you're doing the mission, you're managing volunteers, you don't have time to think about much else. Um, And I think that's where mentors come in to play very heavily. That's what I look at our organization as. We sort of bring all those folks together. You know, the Y is over here, Goodwill, Catholic charity, you know. And then we have, you know, a Diamond and Rescue that has one staff and they're managing their their entire programming. Um, So we bring them all together and they can ask questions, they can share, they can network. You know, we have one of our board members who they come from our nonprofit CEO group um, has mentored a handful of our smaller agencies. They just reached out and said, you know, hey, Mike, you know, can I meet with you like maybe once a month and just kind of throw some things at you that are happening in my world as a a small organization with three staff or whatever, and he's happy to do that. I think the relationships that we see being kind of grown out of this membership process that we have and we bring the the CEOs together and the EDs um, is a great place for that, for young organizations to get some mentorship experience um, and then learn from each other. And then the second one is I, I just think um, we experience this. We get at least two or three calls a month from folks who are asking, I want to start a nonprofit. I've got a passion for X, Y, or Z. Can you help me? Um, first of all, we don't offer those services. We are on the back end. Once you get your C3, come on board, and we'll help you connect with other agencies and give, help you with resources that within our means. Um, but the second thing I say is, so the mission is X. There are probably five organizations within our membership that are doing the same thing. Have you ever thought about reaching out to one of them and either getting involved and in volunteering or maybe, you know, kind of giving your, your resources or your knowledge to that organization? Um, because there, there is a lot of duplication um in the sector and I think people have the heart and they have they're they're in the right place. Um but they need to remember there are limited resources when it comes to nonprofit funding and donors. And um the the more like agencies and programs you have, the harder it is for all those to survive. And just think how great it would be if we could combine some of those to work together and um you know kind of bring them and their missions in under one roof.
0: I think that's so well said. I see that all the time of um, you know people that are super passionate about a specific issue and want to jump in right away to to start the organization. And so one of the pieces that I pull out as we're talking, kind of in a micro example, microcosm of San Antonio and the nonprofit council, I just want to remind you know anyone that's listening that this I'm going to call it a phenomenon is happening across the United States and probably you know the world for that matter of the emergence of nonprofit for nonprofits, these hubs. So no doubt, you know, in any, or I would say nearly all communities across the U.S., that's a, that's a broad statement, but there's likely a parent organization in your community that can be a first touch point when you have a question of, should I start a nonprofit or could I join another one? I think in, you know, Scott's example, which is great, is oftentimes you can help just network them to the group that they could go and be a donor or a volunteer or join on the board, et cetera, as opposed to starting their own. Um, and then separately, I would echo like in Austin, for example, and we do have organizations that can help you start and give you guidance and feedback um, to doing that. But then we also have, you know, kind of nonprofit for nonprofits. I think of, um, I live here, I give here, or Mission Capital, things like that in, um, in Austin. So I want to, um, I mentioned there's a second thing and I want to get into it a bit and um, I haven't yet made this podcast edgy in any way, so we could talk in broad terms. But one of the things, when we, we probably had a call six, seven, eight weeks ago, maybe it was longer, and you were explaining to me, I think, your perspective on, again, as there's been the emergence, both in San Antonio but across the country, of these area giving days, sometimes they interact formally, informally, or not at all, also with a foundation or a community foundation in the area. Do you mind just giving me your perspective on just the emergence and the phenomenon of giving days in general, what you like about them, maybe what you don't like about them, and just any um advice or perspective for someone that may be going on to operate or start one in their in their community is certainly every city doesn't, doesn't do this yet.
1: Um yeah, we we're we just hit our sixth year um with the big give um it started in in 14 and um it was it, it was a challenge i mean i the the idea was brought to me um, by the executive director of a family foundation who actually lives in austin but the family foundation is here in san antonio and she um i officed across the hall from her um, and didn't know of her or whatever but we started talking and she's like we, I now know what you do, the council. I think you guys need to start a giving day. You know, look at Austin this year, here's where their date is. And I did watch it and I was like, what a great idea. Oh my God, I'm one person.
0: (laughs) There's no way. Totally. And just for people that are listening along, you know, this concept of giving days has really emerged. Um, but for example, in Austin, we've Amplify Austin, which is run by, I live here, I give here. Um, not a dissimilar mission to the nonprofit council overall, but again, happening in the Austin community versus San Antonio, where I'm sitting today with Scott. And this phenomenon of giving days is very much about, hey, let's involve you know, potentially hundreds of nonprofits. We're going to pool marketing resources or outreach awareness resources. We're going to raise a lot of money in generally speaking, a 24 hour period. We're going to get everyone excited about getting involved, about giving back amplify all of that together of the message and oftentimes there's also corporate support and or community foundation support that provide bonus prizes matching dollars so i'll turn the floor back over but just wanted to give a little context
1: yeah and i uh, i apologize because now doing this six years we just you know when, sometimes when you're in the trenches doing something you just assume everybody knows about. it. that's why i'm the host that's why i'm here you're directing me um, but, you know, on that though, we know, and I don't have hard fact numbers, but I would probably uh, guess that, you know, if you went down the street or were any restaurant here in San Antonio and you asked folks what the big give was, I bet you 90% would say, huh? I don't know. I've heard of it, but I don't know. So you know, we have to do a better job marketing it. But again, with limited resources on on marketing budgets. But I also look at the Giving Days. Yes, it's a it's a great platform for nonprofits to get in and raise money through social media, their trad you know their non traditional ways. Um, bring them all into one platform, so a donor can go on to whatever Giving Day site that's going on in their community and search hundreds of nonprofits and, and find ones they may never know existed uh, by category. So if your passion is education or animal welfare or advocacy, um, you you can find those by those groupings and you can, you know, give to them. And that's the beauty of it. and And the trainings that go along with these, you know, I know Amplify, um, is a member of the GiveGab family now um it's a national uh, it's a company that runs our platform and runs about 80 or 70 different cities and we get we bring we get brought together every year in July as um, giving day leaders and we share best practices with each other so we're always sharing um things that we're we're doing and i think the reason the council got into it um was obviously the fundraising aspect to help the nonprofits Try and garner new donors and sort of the, the younger uh, generation that's not in the United Way campaigns or the national, you know, kind of uh, giving campaign through payroll deductions. It's a way for us to reach those, those new donors. And I think one of the big things for us is the training. We have, for the past six years, we have had extensive free trainings for these nonprofits who are participating in the Giving Day on Everything from social media to marketing your organization, telling your story, um, donor engagement, you know thanking your donor after the event, what do you do with your donors throughout the year? So it's things that not only can help them with the giving day but throughout their entire um, year of campaigning for uh, funding. So I think that that's a, a really positive. and our day has this year we had about five hundred and thirty nonprofits that participated in our fifteen county area. Um, and over the six years we've been doing it, we've raised, well, I say we, the nonprofits collectively have raised over $25 million. And so would that have been in the community had we not had the giving day? You know, I suspect not all of it. Um, but what I hope will happen, at least in San Antonio, I hope our corporate base gets more involved. We've had a real struggle getting companies to engage with us and, you know, engage their employees and help promote this, um, help support our prize pool. Um, some of our foundations help, you know, let them kind of support some stretch prize money for their grantees. Um, I think those are things that Austin, your, you know, I live here, I give here does very well. And we've been in communication with them on some of their strategies, which has been very helpful. But, you know, every community is different. Um, And I know Austin, um, their corporate base seems to be um, a lot stronger for this kind of a program than in San Antonio, but we're cracking that. Um, This year we had 12 companies that participated in our employee giving during the day, and um, we hope to grow that over the years. So it's just an education piece.
0: I think so, and naturally you will. I mean, I think that there's... um always a behavior change, but I think a few of the things that I've really learned from you both on this podcast, but just in general, getting to know you is the differences and the nuances from community to community, um, and being whether you're, you know, a nonprofit for nonprofits like yourself and the nonprofit council or you're operating one, trying to, um, operate within the abilities or um, opportunities that are in your that are unique to your to your community and finding those. And so, you know, I hope that we'll have opportunities to do this in the future. One thing I want to ask as we wrap up here, um, Scott, is if people want to find more information or find out about you, um, how can they find the nonprofit council?
1: Uh, we are online at tncouncil.org, and you can find a whole list of, of our programs, advocacy work, and
0: resources on that as well as our membership. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being a guest. I hope that we'll have an opportunity to do a more fuller one um, in the Charity Charge studio in Austin at some point, but I appreciate it. I'd love to come up and do that. You're not that far away.
1: If you can come down here, I can go up there. Thank you.
0: Well, Everyone, thank you so much for listening in to another episode. This one was particularly fun to take it on the road down in San Antonio, even with some technical difficulties. So once again, I thank you to everyone in our community for um, supporting Charity Charge and Checking out this podcast and learning about amazing nonprofits across the country. Take care.